The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hi, and welcome to Caught Between Generations. You know, accessibility is an issue that impacts people really of all ages. I mean, people forget. They tend to think, well, it only impacts seniors. But that's not so. There are young people with disabilities. There are younger people who may have MS or may have been injured in a motorcycle accident, for example, or someone in their 50s or their 40s who may have suffered a stroke. But the common factor in all of these situations is a sense of grief um, at a loss and difficulty in continuing life as they know it. I mean, let's face it, we want to continue to live our lives, and we especially want to continue enjoying whatever our favorite activities are. A few years ago, my own husband went through emergency neurosurgery, and the results were better than we anticipated, but it did leave him with significant problems in walking. It was really a major, major change for us. So we couldn't race our sailboats anymore. Power walks after dinner were impossible anymore. But one of the hardest things for us is that we thought we would have to give up traveling. It was one of the things we loved to do as a family. And we certainly thought we were going to be able to continue to do for a long, long time. And here we were suddenly faced with this issue of his having um, significant problems with his mobility. So I started researching possible resources And I found Candy Harrington, and was I happy that I found Candy Harrington? So I can tell you that Candy, who is our guest today, has written extensively about barrier-free travel and travel for what she refers to as wheelers and slow walkers. She's written about accessible travel for over 20 years. She's the founding editor of Emerging Horizons, and she is the author of 11 accessible travel titles uh, for wheelchair users and slow walkers. All of this is true about Candy, but I can tell you what she has done for me personally and my family, and I know for many others, is to provide us with the resources that we need in order to continue to leave our homes and to travel as a family. So, Candy, I am so pleased to welcome you to Call Between Generations today. It is great. Thank Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy talking about accessible travel. 
So, Candy, for someone, for instance, who, is in, who was in my situation where suddenly you, you have an accessibility problem that you did not have before, um, what kind of trip do you recommend for the first time you're, you're venturing out? Well, you know, people are kind of hesitant to, just like you may have been, uh, to start out on a trip after you have some kind of an accident or a disability. And unfortunately, a lot of people just say, no, I'm going to have to give this up. I can't do it anymore. There's no way. So I think you have to do what you do with most things is start out very slowly. Start out with something like a day trip. Go to a museum. Go to a movie. Go out to lunch. Spend three or four hours out. And, and just get used to getting out of your house. And then I think you can work up to an overnight trip. But try an overnight trip that's within driving distance to your home, just a couple hours away, because you want to kind of have this to be kind of a shakedown trip to see what happens. I mean, if something goes wrong, you can try and solve it. But also, you have that easy out. If you really hate it, if something went horribly, horribly wrong, you can always go back home, and then you can try it again. And you should just try to iron out all the little problems that happen on these little local trips before you tackle that big trip. You know, I tell people don't start with the huge trip. That's, that's really too much to, to chew, you know, to break off at one time. So start little and, and just work up to that big trip. The, the one thing I'll add to that is if you're doing, um, if you can go locally, even at the beginning, and you can go beforehand, I know this takes time, but if you can go beforehand to check something out yourself, it really makes a big difference because one of the things I found when I was taking care of my mother who was in a wheelchair is that just because someone tells you something is accessible, it doesn't always mean that. Um, and suddenly we were taking her into a restaurant that supposedly was accessible and it had two steps going up um, and no ramp which on a wheelchair was a problem. So um, if you can check some things out ahead of time, it's really helpful. Um, so once you're kind of ready for that, for that kind of bigger trip, um, what are your suggestions for airline travel? Well, again, airline is, is one of the people's biggest fear, I think. There are two things that, I mean, it depends. If you're a slow walker, or if you're somebody that's in a wheelchair 100% of the time. Now, if you're a slow walker, and this is absolutely the hardest thing for people to do, really you need to request that airport wheelchair. It's A lot of people don't like to do it. They say, no, 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 I'm not that disabled. I can make it. It'll be fine. Let's, let's leave the wheelchair for somebody that's worse off than me. And that's a huge mistake because airports are, are large, and you might just wear yourself out by the time you get to the airplane. So these wheelchairs are there for everyone, so just request one, and you'll be good to go. Now, if you come with your own mobility device, one thing to remember is when you get to the airport check-in, you can keep that mobility device all the way to the gate. You don't have to give it up and get in an airport wheelchair because you're going to be more comfortable in your own wheelchair 
And actually, <laughs> the less time the airlines have your wheelchair, the better it is for you. The less time they have to damage it, the less time they have to lose it. So those are two things um, really important to remember when you're, you're venturing out on your, your first trip. That'll, that'll make things go a lot easier for you from the beginning. Right. So what we usually do is we drive up to where you, the drop-off for the baggage, and if they have someone there, they're very helpful um, in getting a wheelchair for you. Or you can call ahead of time and say, you know, where will the wheelchairs be? Um, because sometimes in many of the airports, every airline, I've, I have found anyway, have their own wheelchairs. And so if you're, if you're flying on United, you know, and you go to another airline, they don't necessarily want to help you. They, they're going to send you back to United. Um, the other thing I would per- pass on personally is TSA PreCheck is, is really a godsend. You really need to do that um, because then the person that is in the wheelchair doesn't need to take off their shoes and you don't have to take so much out of your luggage. It's just much, much easier to do. So I'm just passing that on based on personal experience. Oh, no, I agree. I think uh, the pre-check is a great thing to have, too. And actually, if you don't happen to have it and you get to that uh, security checkpoint, yeah, the TSA does have their own guidelines for dealing with disabled passengers, and you don't have to do anything that you physically can't. Like, if you can't take off your shoes, all you have to do is tell that agent that you can't take off your shoes because of your disability, and they'll just wand you. They won't make you do anything that you, can, you can't physically do. Okay. What about lodging? I mean, hotels... Um, I mean, the big chains, I guess, at this point are, are handicapped accessible. What about the smaller inns or the B&Bs? Well, I found a lot of them that are, you know, the like you said, the big ones, they've been around. and But you still do need to call and you still need to make sure that you're getting the accessible room that you need. But I found a lot of the smaller inns and B&Bs when I was doing some research on uh, Yellowstone National Park, there's a wonderful little set of cabins just right outside in West Yellowstone. And they had just been built a couple years ago. And they went really um, to extremes to make them accessible. There's several accessible cabins. And they have a kitchenette. They have a roll-in shower. They give you a little s'mores kit so you can go out with your family and sit around the fire and make s'mores at night. And it's just a really great location for exploring the park. And these are kind of things that you think, oh, that'll never be accessible. But more and more places are just going that extra mile. They want the multi-generational travel. They want everybody. So um, definitely there's a lot out there that, wasn't out there 20 years ago or so. Yeah, it's amazing. When I read your uh, one of your books, Candy, I was amazed that I, we could go to the beach and my husband could get what's called, I guess, a beach wheelchair that has huge wheels on it. So he could actually roll onto the beach. I mean, things are really changing. I was shocked by that. And they've what? even gone um, in San Diego. They now have power beach wheelchairs, so you don't have to push them. Like your husband could just navigate on his own on the beach. So technology is really helping a great deal. 
That's great. You had great suggestions about travel by car. Would you would you share those with us? Well, um, one of the things that I think that you need to do, and I think this is a major thing, if you have any kind of an adapted vehicle, um, a van, if something goes wrong with that, and I'm sure that you all know that it's difficult to get it fixed, even at home. So I suggest that you call your dealer, and if you're going to San Diego, ask if there's somebody that repairs the vans locally. So you'll have that number just right at your fingertips if something should go wrong. And I'm a great believer in planning for for bad things happening. And that way you can just go ahead and enjoy your vacation. And if something, you know, happens, it's like just go to your little file. I'm just calling these people and they can come out and 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 work on my car. Another thing what is, for road Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go go ahead. Uh, Another thing for road trips, and I think this is a huge thing for people, are restrooms. Gosh, there are accessible restrooms out there, and, you know, it seems that no two are the same. And everybody has, like, their own favorite kind, where the grab bars are, how they're situated and everything. Even if everything's under code, um, they can have a lot of differences. So... I recommend fast food restaurants because the things that I've found in fast food restaurants, when you go to one chain, it seems that every other outlet in that chain is the same. So, like, if you find a specific chain that, wow, I really like these bathrooms, they have family bathrooms and they're great for me, then kind of seek out that that same chain on your trip because they're going to probably have carbon copies of them all throughout the U.S., Okay. We're talking to Candy Harrington, who is the author of 11 books on accessible travel. When we come back, we're going to talk um, to Candy about multi-generational travel, including Disney trips. And we're going to talk about foreign destinations and five of her top accessible travel resources. So stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening. 
listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. And we've been talking to Candy Harrington, who is the author of 11 books on accessible travel for wheelers and slow walkers. And when we were last talking to Candy, we started to talk a little bit about multi generational um, travel. Candy, can you share your experiences and your thoughts with us on that? Well, it's it's becoming more and more popular, um, definitely. And I think one of the best ways, or a very good way, to travel multi generational are on cruises. Uh, mostly, um, the new ships—they're very accessible. There's no real guidelines, but the cruise lines, for the most part, have, have pretty much gone out of their way to make their ships accessible. A lot of them have special needs departments, so you can. You know, talk about what specifically you need in your cabin. If you need a kind of shower chair or commode chair, they can make that happen. And cruises are really great. They have all sorts of programs for teens, for kids. And if you just want to go away by yourself for a shore excursion for the day, you can leave the kids in, in the the center on the ship, and they'll have a good time, too. So um, it's a great multi-generational choice, I think. So I was telling Candy when we were offline that I was going to give a shout-out to a company called Travel Magic, um, who is a company that arranges for trips to Disney, any of the Disney parks, um, and also the Disney cruises. I've, I've used Travel Magic twice. They have been beyond wonderful. Um, and um, they are just superb. They've made all the arrangements for my husband for his scooters. They told us which hotels were more accessible for him and easier for him and where to go, and and it, I just can't say enough. So if you're looking for Disney travel, I don't usually do this on the show, but I feel so strongly they've been so great to us. Um, I would highly recommend that you just go online and look for Travel Magic and at least talk to them. Um, they do not charge you for their services and so it's great service at a great price and so I would highly recommend them especially if you're going uh, with someone who has an accessibility um, issue so I just wanted to give that shout out for Travel Magic so Candy I was very interested I mean when I think about foreign destinations with accessibility I mean I I really shake my head because the U.S. is so far advanced in terms of accessibility um, I mean, how can you, how do you do that with someone? Well, you know, we do think we're, we're we, and we are advanced. We do have um, some very good access laws, but it's actually very interesting. Uh, over in London, for example, which I feel is a pretty accessible destination, all of the London black cabs are required to be accessible. Now, we don't have that anywhere in the U.S., so it's very easy to get around London. Also, um, in the UK, they have um, they tend to let caregivers into most attractions. If you're like if you were with your husband and he was in a scooter, you would get in for free. And their accessible rooms, they've been having they've been they have like continental rooms 
with continental showers in the bathrooms, which basically there's no shower curtain, there's no nibs, there's no hubs, there's nothing to get into the shower. So a lot of European countries have these kind of showers, and they're not really thinking, oh, they're accessible. This is just the kind of showers that they've had. But they do also have um, you know, accessible high-needs rooms, too. So, and a lot of the European destinations, including London, they're putting out access guides. And London has an excellent access guide at visitlondon.com. And it tells you all about the attractions and the state of access and hotels. And it's a really great resource if you're thinking of going over to London. That's great to know. If you were going to another country, how would I be able to access that kind of information? Well, the Internet is is your best friend, I have to say. Um, I don't know what we did before it, but now it's pretty easy. Like Barcelona also has a great access guide, another very accessible foreign city. And you can go to Barcelona dash access.com and you'll find a lot of things about Barcelona there that are accessible. They'll tell you about the hotels, they'll tell you about transportation and um, just, uh, you know, a load of information. Also, um, I guess if we're talking about European travel, there's uh, a great accessible tourism directory. It's called Pantau, P-A-N-T-O-U dot org. And they have just tons of resources there about um, mostly European, but they're, they're stretching out to the rest of the world, too. Um, all sorts of resources, tour operators, hotels, and other tourism directories about access. So that's pretty much my top uh, go-to resource for foreign travel. So, Kendi, whether it's in the United States or whether it's in Europe, do you recommend tours? I mean, lots of, especially seniors now, are going on bus tours um, that also include trains. Do you recommend that? Well, in Europe, um, the bus tours, you're going to have to pretty much be able to walk up a couple of steps to a bus. So if you can transfer from your wheelchair and walk up a couple steps, not everybody can, that might be a good option. Uh, but otherwise, no, not so much for Europe. But the trains are more accessible. Um, and in the U.S., bus tours are pretty accessible. And I just have to say, uh, a lot of people are tour people and a lot of people aren't. So if, if it's something that interests you, you can certainly do it. But you don't necessarily have to be limited. It's like, I'm disabled, I have to go on a tour. It's like, no, seek out whatever interests you and then check out the accessibility because you'll probably find something there. You mentioned something earlier about national parks, and that surprised me, too, because when I think of something like national parks, I think of them not being accessible. Um, you know, camping would not be accessible. Is, is that incorrect? Is it? Is it really accessible? It is. And, okay, well, if you don't like to camp, I mean, you're not going to like to camp. I mean... But the national parks are great because a lot of them do have accessible trails. They have ranger activities. They do have accessible campsites. And, I mean, I've, I've done three books on accessible in, in the national parks, and 
even the lodgings in them are accessible. So if you don't want to pinch a tent, a lot of them have hotels and lodges right in the parks, some near the parks that are accessible. And if you can always you can get an access pass too, and that will get you free admission to all of the national parks if you're permanently disabled. If you're a senior, you're not disabled yet. If you're 62 or older, you can get a pass for $10. It's going up to 80 later this year. So if you're 62, get it now. And if you're in the military, you get a free annual pass. And if you happen to have a fourth grader in your your family, you also get a free pass for the year. So it's very affordable, too. If you have a fourth grader, really? Yes, it's a a new initiative to get kids to enjoy the national parks with their families. So fourth graders get a yearly pass to the national (laughs) parks. Who do that? Who do that? KD, so what are your kind of favorite or top, you know, accessible travel resources? Well, we talked about cruises a little bit ago, and I have to say, If you're going on a cruise, you really want to think about shore excursions, especially out of the U.S., to make sure they're accessible. And one of the best places to find out what's accessible is at Cruise Critic. That's cruisecritic.com. And they have a message board there that is especially devoted to accessible cruising. And the best thing you can do is talk to somebody else that's actually been to your destination and they can give you some great tips on shore excursions and just what to do in the ports. So that's one of my favorite ones. I also have yeah. to say... Oh. I was just going to add on. I, one of the things I learned, that's that's how you, for some of us, that's how you get that information, is that, you know, some, some shore excursions, the boat, in effect, goes up to the dock, and then on others, you need to use a tender to get to the dock in Europe. And so you really have to ask, how do, you, how do you really get to the shore to go on the excursion? I just wanted to add that in. Oh, yeah, that's a, a very good point. If you're looking you know, for a cruise, yeah, tender ports, they're called tender ports. You're going to have to take that little boat to get to shore, too. And some mm-hmm. of them are inaccessible. Your second, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Your, your second resource that you love? Um, the TSA. TSA has a hotline. If you're concerned about access and how it's going to be at the airport or maybe you have some medicine you're not sure if you can take through or, you know, you're an amputee and you want to know how you get through security, they have a free hotline, and it's 855-787-2227. And if you call them 72 hours in advance, they can even give you information specific to the airports that you are going through. So if you're anxious about going through security, that's the number to call for you. Okay, we have time for one more. Uh, i got to just plug my own, and that's Emerging (laughs) Horizons. And I have resources, destinations, and lodgings there, and that's at EmergingHorizons.com. That's great. Candy, is there any other information you want to give us? Your books are available on Amazon. I know that because I order them from Amazon. Yeah. Um, Any other resources or contacts for you? Um, I also blog at BarrierFreeTravels.com, accessible travel news and updates uh, whenever it's available. So that's another place that you'll find me. 
Okay, great. We've been talking to Candy Harrington, who is the author of many books on accessible travel. Candy, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. Thank you. So when we return, we're going to be talking about another activity that people love and often think they have to give up, uh, which is gardening. So when we come back, we're going to be talking to Patty Cassidy about what happens when you move and you have to go into a smaller garden or, or if you have arthritis or problems with balance or if you're in a wheelchair or using a walker, can you still garden? How is that possible? She has answers for us that I think you're going to find very interesting and will allow you to continue. So stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. And we're going to talk now about another activity that um, often people think they have to leave behind um, as they age or if suddenly they have a disability, um, and that is gardening. I mean, gardening for many of us brings such a sense of peace and accomplishment um, and a sense of balance in our life. To give it up and not be able to do it anymore is really a loss. It, It really is a very serious loss for many. So Patty Cass is a registered horticultural therapist. She's worked with frail seniors and also those who have memory impairment. She has a beautiful, beautiful book uh, called The Practical Illustrated Guide to Gardening for Seniors, How to Maintain a Beautiful Outside Space with Ease and Safety in Later Years. Patty is a lifelong gardener, and she's been a master gardener since 2003. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Patty. It's it's so Thank nice to so have much, you. Thank so, you. Patty, will you explain to us what really is horticultural therapy? Horticultural therapy is uh, an intervention for people, um, and we use plant-based and gardening activities to help them reach 
their particular treatment goals. So, for instance, uh, a trained therapist would work with people with PTSD, with anxiety, uh, mental illness, alcoholism, any of the challenges people have that need um, psychological interventions. Horticultural therapy is definitely one that can um, bring people some peace and balance in their in their um, issues. So, let's talk about seniors who have a variety of problems. Um, and that may include people actually in their 40s or their 50s. So what if I have arthritis? I mean, I feel like that's it. I'm done. I can't garden anymore, especially if the arthritis is in my hands. Exactly. Well, luckily, um, and I was enjoying the show before mine about accessibility, um, we are in a time now where technology is really thinking about how to make products so everyone can be using them. So there are lots of ergodynamic tools that are designed so people can hold tools in an easier position. Um, Tools are coming now with more cushioning so people who have arthritis don't have to squeeze so hard because there's that level of um, comfort now in the handles. The other thing that I really recommend people with arthritis to look at is the weight of tools. I mean, my grandfather's tools that I used to love weigh a lot, and I don't want to be spending my, my time and my joints carrying around heavy tools. So I look for plastic and lightweight metal tools that won't tax my stamina but will allow me to to use the tools in a comfortable and a safe way because I don't want to exasperate my arthritis while I'm gardening. So we're very lucky that there are new products and new materials in the marketplace for us with arthritis. What do you recommend, Patty, for people who have problems with balance? I mean, that's that's another serious issue because you're trying to dig or you're trying to weed or whatever you're trying to do and your balance is off. That's right. When I work with frail elders in a garden, my first priority is safety. And so I, I don't want people leaving the garden in worse shape than when they came in. So people need to think about how can I make this experience safe so I can do it tomorrow? Because if there's an accident or they overdo it, there's going to be discouragement and they won't be gardening the next day. So one thing I would recommend for people who have particularly balance issues is to think about getting a raised bed or a large container where you can sit and do your gardening so you're feeling more secure and balanced in that activity than trying to, you know, put the shovel in the ground and feeling like you're going to fall over. And there's so many wonderful designs now for raised beds that you can almost get one to fit any need, any height, and any conditions of, of people's physical, um, physical examples. Are, are those readily available now? Because it used to be that to get to a raised bed, you know, it was a special piece of equipment I had to order through one of the nursing home companies, and it was hard to get, and it was expensive. I mean, are, are they more readily available now? Yes, they are. They are more readily available, and um, they come in 
all different materials and sizes and shapes. So you could almost design the wine that you need for your um, particular physical challenges. They also um, make them now, so if you are in a wheelchair, you can wheel right up to the raised bed and be in your wheelchair and continue gardening. So this is another example of the marketplace, uh, you know, being responsive to the, to the needs of the, of the graying America, that people do want to stay gardening, but they have issues that are keeping them from gardening in a safe way. So I don't want people to worry at all about the accessibility of any of the materials they need, because just a good, a good search on the Internet will find what you need. What about if I'm downsizing? So I've always had a beautiful garden in my home, and now I'm either moving to a condo or I'm moving to an assisted living facility. You know, part of my problem in that move is I feel as I have to give all of that up. Is is that so? Well, uh, it depends on where you're going. I would say that uh, if gardening and being near natural settings is important to you, then that should inform you about what what places you're looking at. Um, sometimes, you know, in my experience, and I work with, you know, several um, uh, assisted living facilities in Portland, Oregon, the, the idea of having a community garden on the premises is quite popular because um, gardening where I live is a, a very big activity. So there's going, you know, if you look carefully, you can find a place that will have not only community space where you can garden, but perhaps you have a small patio where you can have your own containers or your own small raised beds. Um, It's not always the case. So that is, you know, I think people really should do their research if that's a priority in their life. So let me ask you a very probably simple question because Patty in all honesty I'm not a gardener Um, actually my (laughs) husband has a saying he says that whenever I come near a plant the plant starts screaming you know oh my (laughs) gosh no don't let her near me because I I don't know what I do I'm not it's just not been one of my talents in life but um, what can you actually grow in a you know in a in in a in a window container or a smaller container? I mean, what are you able to, to grow in those types of containers? The, um, the variety is almost limitless now because the, um, the seed breeders and the plant breeders are realizing that people are going to be gardening in smaller spaces. So, for example, you can buy lovely patio tomato plants that you can put in a relatively small container and you would get some lovely tomatoes throughout the summer. Uh, I, I make salad bowl um, containers with my elders and they grow all sorts of leaf, leafy greens in their container that's outside their door and they can go out there and snip, snip their arugula or their different kinds of lettuce and have a fresh salad. So there are now varieties that are designed to be grown in smaller spaces. Also, um, doing vertical gardening in a container really uses the space efficiently. So you could have a small trellis in a container where you're growing your peas. Um, 
And then around the peas, you can have your lettuce or your carrots growing, and those are all things that you can be enjoying and harvesting in a small container. You don't need a big garden plot anymore. Wow. All right. That's good to know. So as, as Patty is a grandparent, I'd like to know, you know, how gardening, you know, connects grandparents and grandchildren, even when you don't do it well. Um, and what are some things you can do with your grandchildren around gardening? You know, I just think gardening is such a leveling uh, activity. It um, it puts everybody really at the same place because you have to do certain things. You know, you have to give soil and water and sunlight to a plant. And, you know, that doesn't take a lot of uh, authority from a, an adult over a child. A child can handle those factors too. So it puts everybody on the same playing field, which is a really nice I think, psychological place to be with a grandchild, that you're both in this together at the same spot. And I think the fun part is to decide, you know, what are we going to plant? Like, what flowers do you want to plant? Or what do you want to grow to eat? And um, so there's that joint decision-making, and the child gets to make the decision as well because they have certain tastes. So it's it's an activity that really um, gives everybody um, their own preferences and um, and choices, which, you know, sometimes children don't feel that they have those, that most of the adults are choosing things for them. And, you know, going to the nursery and looking at the seed, the racks of seeds and uh, the flower options, just, it's, it's, you know, kind of like being in a candy store for me anyway. So I think, I think that part of the activity is great because you're, you're um, planning and looking to the future and having anticipation in an activity that's, you know, going to be longer, longer lasting than just getting an ice cream together. (laughs) But the ice cream is so good, Patty. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you could do both. You know, we could garden and we could have have ice cream. cream. That's right. Are there any other ways that you think we can maximize comfort uh, for seniors in their gardens that we haven't talked about so far? Um, I recommend that uh, wherever you are gardening, if it's in a community garden or in your backyard, that you have a place where you can sit and rest and uh, enjoy the fruits of your labor. I think too many times we feel like gardening is a task, we've got to get it done, we've got to do this, then we get tired. And I, want, I, think, that, I think elders and, and people aging really need to see gardening more as a the process and the product. So getting rest. Um, I really encourage people, as we said earlier, to get the right tools for them because the right tool will make the job easier. There are lots of tools now that have telescoping handles which means you can shorten the the length of the handle to get into close places or you can lengthen it so you get into farther places. And so you don't need multiple tools for the tasks in your garden because you want to make your tool chest simpler. You don't need to be lugging around a lot of tools. You need only certain tools that will get your job done. Um, 
I think gloves are very, very important. You know, as we age, our skin is thinner. We tend to get more infections. Um, and I really encourage people to try out gloves that fit them, that they feel like they're getting um, good sensory contact with the glove, but they are getting maximum protection for their skin. That's great. We're talking to Patty Cassidy, who is a horticultural therapist and the author of The Practical Illustrated Guide to Gardening for Seniors. When we return, we're going to be talking to Patty a little more about these ergonomic and adapted tools, but I also want to talk to Patty. She has a wonderful section in her book on sensory gardens. Um, So we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're talking to Patty Cassidy, who is a horticultural therapist and author of Gardening for Seniors. So, Patty, I said before the break, I found your section on your book on sensory gardens um, very interesting. And the sections on sight and smell I thought were beautiful, but I wasn't that surprised by them. What I was surprised by, and I had never, ever thought about before, was a sensory garden that stimulates sound. I never thought about a garden stimulating sound. I mean, can you talk to us about that? Yes. And uh, I'm so glad you liked that chapter because that was one of my best, my my most pleasant chapters to write in that book because it really, it did challenge me to think about how gardens should activate all of our senses. And so when I I thought about sound, of course I thought about um, planting planting things that attract birds and, um, you know, you'd like to hear birds. But also, um, I was in an Asian garden and I heard the bamboo clicking and I was very taken with the sound of of twigs touching and the, the bamboo clicking really activated that idea. 
And so I think about, um, when I was writing that chapter, I was thinking about what other sounds um, do we do we take for granted in the garden? And, you know, growing things that will produce um, beautiful seed pods, and when they blow in the winds, they rattle. And so I've been looking for lots of different kinds of um, irises that grow big pods, and the seeds in those, they will click when the wind blows. Um, so, uh, so other kinds of plants that, you know, will produce those kinds of sounds. Also, I was thinking about sound for people who have low vision. And um, I think sound is perhaps more of a accentuate, accentuated sense for them. And um, putting wind chimes near... Um, entrances to the garden or perhaps a place where you have to turn in the garden, um, give people a cue that the garden is changing and these sounds are giving them uh, a a different kind of vision, if you will, of how to maneuver in the garden. Um, And water sounds, it's very therapeutic. And so if there can be places where you could have uh, tr- trickling water or water or water chains where water is going down a chain that gives people another sense of a garden so I think we really do overlook sound because we're so visually oriented but I really try to get into the shoes of people who rely on their other senses to maneuver in a garden and that's that's why I um, you know I'm still looking for different ways to to uh, put sound in my gardens Interesting. What about touch? Because that's the other thing you talk you talk about in your sensory garden is gardens that stimulate touch. That's right. You know, plants come in all um, colors and shapes, but if you really stop and touch certain leaves, they um, have a, such a variety of texture that I I started thinking about. Gardens that give you that the touch of velvet or suede, um, and then again you go to maybe an herb garden where the rosemary is very prickly and uh, kind of spiny, and you have a different feel there. Or some of the leaves on some of the um, geraniums are kind of hairy and. Um, lush in that way. So touching plants, I think, is very important in the garden. And the gardens that I work in, uh, and particularly the Portland Memory Garden, in every raised bed, there are a number of plants um, that provide all sorts of tactile differences from, you know, the smooth and the pokey to the slippery um, and to the sheen. So I think Encouraging touch in a garden is extremely important. That's really, I I thank you for sharing that because I think those two things, I think, are things that we never really think about. Um, And after reading the section in your book, I thought that really is important for seniors because as their senses change, um, we need to be using other sensory channels uh, to give them enjoyment. So thank you for that. So, 
when we were talking offline, we were talking a little bit more about moving um, to uh, a nursing home or into an assisted living facility. We were beginning to talk a little bit about how you choose that um, and what you look for if the gardening is an important activity for you. So can you share your thoughts with us on that? Sure. Um, so many people who um, are faced with downsizing and, and perhaps it's not really their choice, but they've had some physical emergency where now they they really need to be um, in a place where they're being more cared for than being the caregiver. Um, but they still need and want to have gardening and having natural experiences in their lives. And I would say another thing to investigate when um, seeking your own new place to live or one for your loved one is, do they offer a horticultural therapy program? Do do, do the places have um, a trained therapist coming in and exposing and involving the the residents to uh, plants and plant life because, you know, many people leave a home that had either a garden or many house plants and then to move away from that is, um, it's, it's a real absence and a real loss for people. So even if they can't care for their own plants in their room anymore, on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis, they can go to a group or to a room where there are plants and uh, activities based on plants and, uh, and even going out in the wheelchair to the community garden if that exists at the facility, there are, these folks are not losing that important activity um, in their life that gave them, you know, so much love and comfort when they were able to do it themselves. So I really think that looking at the activity program in a facility is uh really key to making somebody happy in their new home. Thank you, Patty. Um, Can you give us your contact information? Sure. Um, My contact information is um, CassidyPG at Comcast.net. And I would also love people to go to um, the website for the Portland Memory Garden all one word, portlandmemorygarden.org, and that shows you how you uh, how a public garden can be designed to meet the needs of people who have uh, memory issues and physical issues, and how it can also comfort and give service to their caregivers who, um, you know, are people who are really doing a big job and they need to have some respite and restoration in a garden. And that mm-hmm. garden does does that all for, for those groups. I will say that um, Patty's book, Gardening for Seniors, is really a beautiful book, and it's filled with a lot of important information. Um, it, You know, it, it's a big book with beautiful color photos in it, so it may be a little expensive for some people. But I would pass on to you that your local libraries and your garden centers are always looking for suggestions for books to buy. Um, and this is certainly one that I would recommend to them that they purchase. I've done that in my area now that now that I've seen Patty's book, um, and they're about to order multiple copies So um, for different branches. So I would certainly pass on that suggestion to you um, because it really is a wonderful book. So, Patty, thank you so much for being with us today. 
Thank you so much, Meryl. It was my pleasure, and thank you for promoting my book. Oh, more my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. So we'll thank you. So uh, the message for today is for anything that you think you've lost and is gone forever, it may not be lost and it may not be gone forever. For instance, at Syracuse, we have golf legs, we have fishing legs, we have bowling legs, we have all types of activities. Anything, almost anything I'm telling you can be adapted for a senior to continue doing what they've done all their lives so they don't have to suffer any more losses than what they've already suffered. And you know what? When you do this type of thing, it may take a little time and a little research, but it results in a better life for two people, and that is the person you're caring for and also yourself as a caregiver. As always, I want you to do at least one thing for yourself this week. Take good care. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.